Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. It's my honor to introduce our second guest and speaker for today, Mr. Nathan Bryant. Uh, He's here with his son Isaiah this morning. They hail from Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Is that right? M-I-S-S-I-S-S-Auga, I think is how it's spelled. Right, exactly, with the Auga on the end. He is the executive director of ASSIST, which is a group within the Karis Fellowship that helps churches either revitalize, replant, or restart. So we went about a year ago with our our group up to, uh, where was that again? Columbus, that's right. I've been to a couple different cities up there. So Columbus, and uh, we went through a couple days of this boot camp, and it was one of the most amazing things I have ever got to go through as a pastor. I think I learned more in uh, about two days than I have in nine years of ministry. Uh, So it's it's a group that has a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, and they came together so that they can help other churches in need. So without any further ado, Nathan, come up and let us know what you got. Thank you so much, Pastor Jared. Really appreciate it. Well, it's a, wow, it's a pleasure to be with you guys uh, this morning. I was here last year. I don't know if any of you remember me. Probably remember my wife more because uh, she's so much cuter than me for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm memorable, but mostly in your nightmares. That's the kind of thing that happens with me. But uh, to see this space and the, the, the front of the building and how it's manicured, you guys, you guys are moving along. Isn't it exciting? I, I'm really low energy here. <laughs> Isn't it exciting to see something new and fresh? And this stage is beautiful. And boy, the guy on the piano, he's, he's pretty awesome too. That's, 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 this is, this is, it's really exciting to be here with you this morning. I'm really, really encouraged. I was excited to be here yesterday with uh, some of your folks and we, we were talking about how things are going for you. And uh, that was really a, a great time to discuss how things are happening. Our, our ministry assists church expansion, as Pastor Jared was talking about. It's part of the Karis Fellowship, and our fellowship of churches is small. We have 250 churches about in the U.S. and Canada, 3,500 churches internationally all over the world, and uh, we are working specifically with the churches in the U.S. and Canada. Our focus is to help uh, churches to plant churches, plant, start new churches, help churches that are in decline to find a new future. Uh, we call that revitalization. Some churches need to be restarted because they're almost done. And we're also working with churches that want to become part of our family. So our our focus is to expand our movement. And we're doing that through what we're calling legacy churches. And a legacy church is a church that's self-supporting, that's self-governed, that's working to be long-term in its community, it's reaching the lost, looks to reproduce, and is resourcing our family as an adult member of our fellowship. So that's what we call a legacy church. And we're working to make that happen across our country. Uh, it's been kind of fun this last uh, year and a half. We will be two years old starting in June. I was a missionary in Canada for 21 years. Um, my brother and I and Bartley Stowoski, my good friend, we went there in 1997. The Lord has allowed us to plant four churches there. And um, through that process, we went with Grace Brother and North American Missions, which some of you will probably remember. Anybody remember Grace Brother and North American Missions? Do you know? And that ministry wound down in 2005, and a new ministry started called Go To Church Planning. And that existed for about 10 to 11 years. And then it wound down a couple years ago. In the process of it winding down, I really felt the Lord asking me to do something about that. And, and uh, through that, 
but process by his leading, we've established what was called the CIS Church Expansion, and that's the ministry that I oversee. As I was promoting this ministry across our fellowship, uh, the Lord has just given us tremendous new energy. I'm here to bring you good news from our, assist, from our Karis Fellowship, is that our fellowship is actually starting to grow again. And that's really exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. We have been involved with seeing four new church starts, two new campuses start. We're in the process of working with five new revitalization projects, two new restarts. We've got three churches that are interested in becoming part of our movement. That's all just in one year and a half. And so we're really excited about that. I'm also engaged with 20 other projects all across the country. And I'm going to share some of those with you. So I'm going to talk about some of the projects we're working with. One of the projects we're working with... One of the projects we're working with is, is you guys. And so we've been working with, with Matt and, and uh, Pastor Steve uh, almost two years now, I guess in March uh, or April when we first started to talk two years ago and started to move this process along to see what God would do. Uh, it's been incredible to see uh, what's happening here with you guys and to help you find a new, a new day. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that more later today in, this, in the message, but it's really been incredible. <laughs> and the, the, the incredible story for your church uh, is not that you have a new young buck here who's trying to help you have a new future, but that you have Pastor Steve who is willing to let that happen. And, and it's tremendous. And there's, there's incredible uh, uh, encouragement across our fellowship as they hear about your story because we're promoting you and letting people know about you. And people are actually praying for you from every corner of our movement across the U.S. And they're thinking about you and praying for you and looking for you to succeed, not just in, in becoming uh, a strong and healthy church, but actually effectively reaching villas uh, for Jesus. And that's really uh, our desire for you as well. So <laughs> there is your church that we're working with, and we're excited to, to be part of that process. Uh, we're also working with Ocean View Fellowship. That's uh, kind of up the street not quite up the street. I, I, I learned that when I flew into Melbourne, Florida and drove all the way down here to meet with Pastor Steve. It's not going up the street. Uh, Florida's a big state. Uh, you guys are living in a big state, which is pretty cool. But anyway, Ocean, Ocean View Fellowship is, uh, was initiated by uh, Pastor Jason Brown at the Sun Tree Church, and he's uh, on, the, on the mainland, so to speak, of Melbourne, and on the beach side, they wanted to do something there. And they started to catalyze a group. They have 50 people meeting on Sunday nights. And right now, they wanting to, we were trying to get them to launch publicly this fall, but they have no space for kids. No space for kids, the space that they're in. So we were praying that they can, they can figure that one out, because if they can, they can go public, and I think they'll do even better. So keep praying for Ocean View Fellowship. Uh, they're doing fantastic. Main Street Church is the next one. This is the first church we started working with. I actually started working with... Um, <coughs> I started working with this church before even uh, I started to assist. I started to, to engage Pastor Josh Cook. And uh, uh, Josh um, parachuted in. We call it parachuting when you go in with yet no friends, no family, nobody else. You're by yourself with just your family into a new community. Uh, uh, six years ago now, and they started to build relationships. And they launched not this past September, but the September before. There are about 16 uh, months old now, <clears throat> 17 months old, and they launched with 135 people for their first service, and they've been able to maintain that. In fact, <clears throat> they have seen almost 12 to 13 people come to know Christ and get baptized, which is really cool, and they just went to two services in the beginning of the year, and they're running 175 people, less than one year going public. That's incredible. You can clap for that. You guys, a little more energy. This is... 
well. It's pretty exciting. Three Creeks Church is another one of our church plants that we were helping with. And this, this is an amazing church plant out of uh, Movement Church, Mark Archer Church in Columbus. And this church, <coughs> Mark Archer Church, is on the west side of Columbus in the town called Hilliard. And he brought in Joel Trainer, and he said, Joel, we'd like to plant a new church. And uh, he mentored him and what we call a residency for a year. And Joel was there at his church, and Joel picked a spot on the east side of Columbus in a town called Gahanna, which, which, which is the, the native word for Three Creeks. And so um, they launched a church in Three Creeks. Now, what's interesting about this church plant is that when Joel left Mark's church, which had about 250 people, he took about 70 of the people from the church with him over there. Incredible core group from Mark's church. That's a big hit on Mark's church, you think? And six, five or six of the families actually sold their homes in Hilliard and bought new homes in Gehenna. Now, you talk about, talk about commitment? So they launched, they, went, uh, they launched last February. They're actually one year and two weeks old. They launched last February, and <clears throat> they had 230 people to their first service. They're running 175 folks. Uh, they haven't seen about 15 people come to know Jesus and get baptized already. They are killing it already. So yeah, you can clap for that church. Um, we knew church uh, launched a campus. This is their fourth campus, and they're the other church that we we're part of, and we helped to start in Canada, um, and just outside of the city of Toronto. And they launched a new campus in Cambridge, and, and uh, that that ca that campus uh, is launched with about 130 people. They're running 60 people now, which is doing pretty cool. We have another uh, new church that's about to start. Uh, this this. Uh, couple is from the Clinton Grace Brethren Church, which is where Mike, I think, is from. Yeah, and your friend is here as well, who is actually still attending that church. So um, <clears throat> that church uh, is youth pastor, and that's Dane and Anna Carraway. And they uh, started talking to me last year about wanting to plant in Baltimore, Maryland. And I was just there three weeks ago. We went, they're not going to plant in Baltimore directly. They're planting in Townsend, which is a city north of Baltimore. And we're looking for a new uh, place for them to plant, and we were looking at uh, different locations, but their, their plan is to move to that area in June and start to gather a team, and Lord willing, next fall, not this coming fall, but the fall after launching a new church in Baltimore. So that's, that's kind of cool, isn't it? Just to know you guys are yeah. I feel like a bad comedian coming for, 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 for <laughs> laughs, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we were also working with a lot of revitalizations, and this is uh, the first kind of full-level revitalization project we've been working with in Ephrata, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, the pastor stepped down in August of this past year, and they called us and said, we'd really like some help. They were a church of about 100. Uh, when the pastor stepped down, they were down to 80 people, and they didn't want to lose any more and wanted to know how to go forward. So we started to work with them, and they agreed to work with us in what's called an, a revitalization process. And uh, we, we, we worked with that process with them. And we were just able to install a new pastor there uh, in January of this year. It's Brad Grummis, and Brad's doing a great job, and we're in the process of continuing to help them through a new day. So that's, uh, that's the effort of Pennsylvania Church. Oh, look at you guys. You're on it. <laughs> This is another church, and I've got a lot more to share, and I don't want to, I won't go to too many more, but here's one that's pretty interesting. This one is in Harlem, New York City. Uh, Laban Reese is there, and he's, he's restarting the church that was there in Harlem. He just moved to Harlem uh, this past fall, and they're in the process of gathering their core team, and Lord willing, they will launch this coming September a brand new service there uh, in Harlem. 
I was in the Northern California district meeting with those guys, and they want to plant a church in San Francisco, and they've already started to commit some money for that. I spent three days in San Francisco looking at uh, locations that would be interesting for us to pursue. And so pray about the potential of us starting a new church in San Francisco. Good chance San Francisco use a church? Yeah, I think it could use a, like it could use a few churches. Um, of course, what it's all about is helping people come to know and embrace Jesus and uh, seeing people come to know and follow him and get baptized. This is a picture of one of the girls who got baptized at the Renew Church uh, this past year, which is kind of cool. Uh, let's go ahead and, and pray as we get started in, in looking at God's word together this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning to, to f- celebrate you and what you are doing in our lives and in the world and celebrate you just because of who you are. We're so in awe of you and so amazed that you care about us at all. When we consider ourselves in the grand scheme of the universe and how small and insignificant we are but you love us deeply and passionately and you pursue us desperately. And so, Lord, we, uh, we just stand in awe of your love and we thank you. And today, as we talk about you and we look at your word, that we would be encouraged by you. Your Holy Spirit would be free to speak to us, whatever you want to say. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so if you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. Lamentations, chapter 3. It'll be up here if you can read it. It may be too small for you to see. So if you've got your Bible or you've got it on your phone, you can pick it up. We're looking at the book of Lamentations. And Lamentations was written by the prophet Jeremiah. And he, he was uh, in exile. And the people of Israel were in exile there and were hoping to get back to their land, what they were taken away from. And so the book of Lamentations by itself, you just use the word Lamentations, you know it's pretty sad, right? He's lamenting uh, the situation that he's in. <clears throat> And he's writing from this place. So as we read this passage this morning, I want you to understand the context of which uh, he's writing from and so we can speak about it a little bit. A lot of us in our life, in our journey, you know, we, we, we always like to portray the Facebook portrait of our life, right? Facebook always shows the best of us when we're at the beach and sunshine and happy days. <laughs> but we know that life isn't like that all the time, is it? In fact, most of our lives is a tough, hard slug. And uh, life can be difficult. And we can feel like we are pulled away from where we want to be. And we're not at the land we want to live in. <laughs> and life is difficult. So he says this. The, the, the prophet says this. I remember my affliction and my wandering. The bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. So he's in a place of really hard space. And he's reflecting on his life and his circumstances. And as he, as he thinks about who he is and where he's at and what he didn't accomplish with his life and what he wants to do that isn't done and the, the sadness of the place that he's in that he didn't choose and doesn't want to be in, he, he gets pretty depressed. So he says, in this place, in this place, uh, yet this I call to mind. This is what I think about and therefore I hope. As he thinks about himself, as he thinks about circumstances, as he thinks about where he wants to be and where he isn't, he gets downcast. But this I think about, and I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my fortune, therefore I will wait for him. So he casts his eyes not on his circumstances, and not on himself, not on his hopes, not on his expectations, not on his unrealized dreams. He starts to cast his eyes up. He starts to look up. And he thinks about God. 
And he says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. <laughs> you know what happens to our life is a lot of us think that we're owed something from God. You know that? You know, you know when I was a kid, <clears throat> my parents always talked about the young generation as, you know, they were so entitled. All they do is expect stuff, expect stuff, expect stuff. They're lazy. Of course, now that I'm older, I don't say that at all about the younger generation. <laughs> so we all say that about the younger generation, don't we? <laughs> right? But when your life is lived with the expectation that you're owed something from others, you're living in constant disappointment, aren't you? Right? When your life is lived with an expectation that God owes you something and you don't deserve to be where you are and it's not fair, you're actually looking at the life completely wrong. Because you know what? You and I, we're dirty, rotten sinners and deserve nothing from the living God. <laughs> the God of the universe, the maker of everything, the one who is holy, he was in unapproachable light. We don't deserve anything from him. The fact, the fact that we get to get up and live today and he hasn't judged us and hasn't punished us for our sin is absolutely, unbelievably amazing. And this is what the author is saying. He says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Because I would be consumed a long time ago if it was what me getting what I deserve. But God doesn't treat us like we deserve. Now, we, we, we don't think that way. We think, oh, no, we deserve this and we deserve that. And we start comparing ourselves with others. And God gave them that person. And God gave that person this and that and that. And we start to think that we're the ones who are left out. But we're not seeing it right. <laughs> The right way to see it is, I deserve nothing. And the fact that I have breath today to live, to be on this planet, to, to be with my friends and family is amazing. But God hasn't consumed me. We need to take our focus on our, off ourselves, off our circumstances, and off the things that we think we deserve and start to get a right perspective. And then we will start to have hope. Because our hope is not in ourselves. The hope is not what we can earn or what we can do or the place that we live or the place we want to be. Our hope is in the Lord. We find our hope in him. And so we say to ourselves, they, they, the, they are new every morning. His compassions, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. <clears throat> I said to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. So as we start to look up, we start to see God for who he really is, we start to live in his grace, in his forgiveness, in his mercy, us not receiving what we don't deserve. We, we live a life of mercy Every day is mercy and his grace are amazing. And what's so beautiful is that his, his mercies are new every morning. Every day is another day to get up and say, God has given me today. He could have taken me last night, but he didn't. Here I am. <laughs> Watch out, world. Here I am. <laughs> so I got another day. And, and we should live in light of that. Not in some kind of crazy expectation that the world owes us something, God owes us something, and all this baloney. That will defeat you, keep you, keep you down and constantly in a state of disappointment and depression. Live on the other side, which is the truth. The truth is, is that you are given life and you have it to live for God. And the God that we know and love cares for us and forgives us and has a better way for us. And his mercies are amazing. So let's go to the next verse. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 43, verses 11 to 13. Isaiah 43. So God is going to say something really important to the people of Israel. And he's going to set up this conversation with them in a, in a very unique way. He's going, to, he's going to reinforce by the things that he says that they, he wants them to listen to what he's saying. So listen to what he says. I, even I, am the Lord. So he's saying, I, even I, am the Lord. 
And apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days, I am he, and no one can deliver out of my hands when I act. Who can reverse it? So he's basically saying to them, listen, I'm the dude. I'm about ready to tell you something. Listen to me. <laughs> Nobody is greater than me. Nobody is better than me. Nobody can help you more than me. So please shut up and listen to me. Because I'm about ready to tell you something. <laughs> Nobody has more power. Nobody gives you a better future. Nobody. I'm the one. So listen to what I'm going to tell you. So listen to what he says here. Isaiah 43, 16 to 19. Listen to what he says. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters. So this God, because he's talking to Israel. And a lot of you would know the story of the people of Israel when they were in Egypt. And Moses, through God, led them out of Egypt into the desert. And as they were escaping Egypt and slavery, they were going through the desert and they encountered the Red Sea. Right? And then they looked back behind them and what did they see? They saw the chariots of Pharaoh coming after them with spears and swords and arrows. And so the sea was in front of them and the armies of Egypt were behind them. And what could they do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Here they were, cornered in this situation. And God says to Moses, he says to Moses, and some of you remember the story. God says to Moses, what do you have in your hand? Remember? He says, I want you to hold up your staff. Now this is ridiculous. Now just think about it. You are standing <laughs> in front of the ocean. And... <laughs> Sometimes God asks us to do pretty, some pretty stupid things. And you know why he asks us to do it? Because it's not about us. See, the, the way of salvation for the people of Israel was not Moses. Who was it? It was God. But Moses had to act in faith. He had to do what God asked him to do, took what he had in his hand and hold it up and give it to the Lord. And when he did that, the waters parted. The Red Sea parted. Now, they estimate between two and three million Israelites were with him. And they walked across the Red Sea on dry land. And the walls of water were, must have been 100 feet high on both sides as they walked across the water on dry land. It's amazing. This, what, what God is saying, I'm the one who did that. I'm the one who gave you a way when there was no way. I made a way through the, through the water, through the Red Sea. But what's interesting is, as Moses lifted up his hand, <laughs> lifted up his rod, and it created a path for them through the Red Sea, and they walked through the Red Sea under the blessing and power of God, guess who was chasing them? The armies of Egypt and Pharaoh. And they saw this path, and I wonder what they were thinking. Like, it must have been crazy, right? You're riding your chariot, you're coming after those guys, and you're looking at the water. Standing up in walls, and you've got dry land on this place you've been before, but you could never get to because it was a sea. And you're like, so they wanted to transfer, they wanted to, to, to walk on the blessing of God in the way of God, but they were enemies of the people of God. And what happened to them? Yeah, when the Israelites got on the other side, and the Egyptians were coming after them. God says, you know what? I didn't hold up the water for you. So yeah, boom. <laughs> right? And they were destroyed. Right? 
So this God, the God who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, this is the one who's talking to them, and this is what he says. This is what God says, the creator God, the God of Israel says. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This is what God says. He's saying it to you today. You, the church here at Villa's Grace. He says, don't dwell on the past. Do not dwell on the past. Do not think about the former things. He says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you perceive it? Is God doing a new thing here? Don't you perceive it? Don't dwell on the past. Don't forget about those things. He says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He is bringing in new life to a place that needs it. Water coming into a place that needs water. And this is what God is doing here by his grace. And what he's saying to you by his word this morning is he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. <laughs> Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 to 14. A lot of you know this passage of scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11 to 14. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. See, the God that we serve, the God that we love, the God that we know, the God of the Bible, <laughs> is not bad, evil, angry, ready to kill you. He's actually kind and gracious and loving and amazing. And he's thinking about you all the time. From the, before you were even born, he was thinking about you. <laughs> and every day you live, he watches you. He actually sings over you. And he thinks about you. And he has a plan for you. And a lot of us in our life, in our marriage, in our relationships with others, in the situations that we find ourselves, we think, God, what are you doing? And most of the time, I would say the vast majority of time, it's not because of what God is doing that you're in the situation you find yourself. It's really about what you've already done. <laughs> right? That's the truth. But God has a plan for you. He has a plan for your life. And listen to what that plan is. It says, I have a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Both personally for your life and for your marriage and for your family, for your, for your home. But also corporately here as a church. God has a plan for this church. Village Grace, do you believe it? That the God that we know and love and serve has a plan for this church. Plans to prosper it, plans to help it to grow and hope in a future. Do you think the God that we serve and love and know has a plan for this community to know him? He wants to use this church for that purpose. God wants you to succeed more than you can ever know. So our focus has to be on him and not on ourselves. And we have to get the former things and push towards the new that he's doing. Allow the new to come so that he can accomplish his plans through us. He says, I plan to give you hope in a future. He says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. <laughs> and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now, you know, most of us, most of us, when we deal with God, we have a problem. <laughs> now, I found this out being married. Some of you guys 
maybe you haven't found this out or you already knew it way before I did. And, and, but I found out when I, was, uh, when I got married that my wife didn't want like part of my attention, like most of my attention, especially when I'm like looking at my cell phone when she's talking to me. She really loves that. She, <laughs> she, she actually wants all of my attention. 100%. And if she's not convinced, like fully, totally convinced that she has 100% of my, convic- my attention, guess what she does? Happy days? <laughs> not so much. Not so happy days. <laughs> you see, God, the God that we know, made man and male and female in his image, and that both man and woman carry the image of God. And there's uniqueness about the female that actually show us something about the God that we know and love, just like there's uniqueness in the male that show us something about the God we love. And one of the things I'm learning about God through my wife is that God wants every ounce of my attention. He wants to know that he's totally the one I love. Not somewhat love, not kind of love, want to try out. (laughs) No, no, no. He wants to know that I'm all in. And for most of us with God, we want to know, hey, God, what is the end going to be? And then I'll commit. What do you have for me? And then maybe I'll consider it. Listen to what the scripture says. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? Part of your heart? A half try? (laughs) No. It's not how God works, friends. If you are trying to discover God and you are not willing to seek him with all of your heart, you will never find him. Never find him. It's not because God's trying to hide himself from you. It's exactly the opposite. He's trying to show himself to you all the time. But you aren't willing to commit to him all the way. And until you do, you will not see him. You're going to play with him. It's just like your wife. If she doesn't think she has all your heart, buddy, you're in a big heap of trouble. (laughs) And And it's a good thing. Because she should have all your heart. Right? Shouldn't she? Doesn't she deserve it? Yeah. So give it to her. And when she knows that she, she has all your heart, she can put up with a lot of your junk. Right? But when she's not sure about it, she can't put up with anything. Like, my goodness. Woo. Anyway, I don't want to go there any further to incriminate anybody, including myself. But I just want you to know that God is the same. He wants all of us, and he wants, to seek, wants us to seek him with all of our heart. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, a couple more verses here before we close this down. But Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. But one thing I do, this is Paul talking to the church, Philippi. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, <laughs> straining toward what is ahead. A lot of us spend most of our time with our head in the past. And our past could be good, our past could be bad. But the past isn't where we're going. Right? What what does Paul says? Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the prize to win the goal, to, to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And God is calling your church to something new. He's asking all of you to unify, to move forward, and to reach to the future and not get your head in the past. Can you see it? 
He wants you to have a future. In fact, he has a plan for you to prosper you and to do great things with you. But it's not about the past. It's about what's ahead, the future. I want to go one more scripture, one more time here. Isaiah 43 as the the band comes up. Isaiah 43, verses 16 to 19. One more time. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the seas, a path through the mighty waters... He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is doing that not just here at this church, but in your life if you let him. Are you looking to the Lord? Are you looking at your circumstances? Are you looking at your own ability, your own power to get you out of the situation you're in? You're never, going to res- you're never going to solve your problem by yourself. You're never going to conquer the future. And you're not going to walk and live in the, in, in the life that God has prepared for you unless you look to him. Surrender yourself to him fully. Forget what's past. And say, God, I'm going for the future you want me to have. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. May I encourage each person today as they seek you fully. May I encourage this church to be unified and excited and expectant for what you're going to do in the future you have for them. We know that your plans are good, that we can trust you. Not in our own ability, our own understanding, but we we can trust you. So I pray for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.